the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Good afternoon, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome to Southern California Live. I am Scott Furrow. And on advice of counsel, I'll be taking the fifth. No, I don't really plan to do that today. Otherwise, it would be a uh, very short show. Imagine just for an hour. I just sat here and uh, took the fifth. Every, you could just call up and ask me a question. I could just take the fifth. That would be that would be what it must feel like to be an attorney when uh, you got some of that going on. Of course, I'm talking about uh, Donald Trump taking the fifth today. We're not really going to talk about that. But uh, I did think that there is something worth noting. And you can join the conversation. 888-528-2557. You can send me an email at SoCalLive at KKLA.com. 888-528-2557 is the number. But just just a little lesson for us. Uh, Donald Trump noted this today. So he's there's a whole nother different case, probably a different case happening in New York. And I think this is a civil case now because the uh, prosecutors decided not to prosecute because they said they didn't have enough evidence. Uh, so now there's a civil case. I don't know all the details there, but he he's testifying and his kids have testified and other people. Well, he goes in to testify and he takes the fifth. And it was noted that in 2016, he made a statement that said, if you're innocent, why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? And uh, so today, you know, six years later, he's taking the Fifth, and people are going, well, you're taking the Fifth Amendment now. Does that mean you're not innocent? And so in his statement today, which I know that if you're on the left, you probably think, well, he's just saying this because this helps him control the agenda. And if you're a Trump supporter, you're like, no, he's just learned something. Either way, we can all learn something here, okay? Uh, he said this. Now I know the answer to that question. He brought it up because it's an obvious thing. It's like, well, you told everybody they're taking the fifth that uh, that they must be guilty, which is not what the fifth is. It's important that we understand this. You know, the reason that when a police officer is asking you questions, uh, if you're getting arrested and you have the right to remain silent, it's Fifth Amendment. You don't what the Fifth Amendment means is that you have a right to not have to testify yourself. No person shall be compelled in any criminal case to be a witness against himself. All right, you you have you have the ability to force the government to prove that you're guilty. That's that's what you do, and you don't want to you don't want to be forced to say admission of guilt. Now, if you're guilty, I would tell you as a Christian, you know, if you're guilty, you need to just fess up. But you also need to be careful because sometimes even when you're guilty of something, sometimes stuff gets put on you that you didn't actually do. You know, if you stole a bunch of stuff from the store, they used to arrest you for that. Let's say you stole a couple of cars. Now they used to arrest you for that too. Let's go back in time and you steal a car and you got arrested for that. It's okay, I think, to plead guilty and say, yeah, I stole that car. But if they accuse you of stealing two cars and you only stole one, well, then you need to plead not guilty because you're guilty for one, but you didn't take the other one and you need to make them prove it. Uh, that's important. Okay, so that's the Fifth Amendment. It's an important right that we all have. We should know those rights. It it matters. Uh, but uh, this is what uh, Donald Trump said as he learns this. And he wrote this down in a statement. He says, now I know the answer to that question. Why are you taking the Fifth Amendment? 
He said, when your family, your company, and all the people in your orbit have become targets of an unfounded, politically motivated witch hunt, supported by lawyers, prosecutors, and the fake news media, you have no choice. Okay. So I realize that there's a lot of uh, stuff in that statement there, but the point of it is still correct, that the reason you take, even if Donald Trump is completely guilty, if all those people in his world, his orbit, as he calls it, are guilty, they still have the right to remain silent. That's that's a good deal. That really helps uh, in our system. So you should always think that. Uh, and, you know, police, it, you know, I think for the most part, you know, the FBI, people are going after them today. Most of the time, things are fine, but sometimes they're not. Sometimes uh, people are uh, maybe fudging the details just to make the case a little stronger. And uh, you shouldn't do that if you're a law uh, enforcement officer. It's, it's lying, and you might blow up the case for doing that. The whole case, you might have a guilty person go free because you decided to uh, fudge the details on something or accuse them of something they didn't do in some unfounded way. It's a big problem. Anyway, there's your constitutional lesson for the day. 888-528-2557 is the number. Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. What I thought maybe we would talk about, and just to get more of a a perspective on the world today, is economic numbers have come out again and uh, inflation, once again, is, is high. And then the, the president said something so interesting today. He said uh, the number is zero. Uh, this is what uh, President Biden said. Before I begin today, I want to say a word about the news that came out today relative to the economy. Actually, I just want to say a number. Zero. Today, we received news that our economy had zero percent inflation in the month of July, zero percent. Here's what that means. While the price of some things go up, went up last month, the price of other things went down by the same amount. So he explains it a little bit. So it's, it's and I wish he wouldn't do this because the real inflation rate is 8.5%, but 8.5% that you saw come out today, if you pay attention to this kind of thing, it's the annual inflation rate. So things are 8.5% higher today than they were last year at this time, basically is what that means. And I think we've seen that. July saw the, and that 8.5% is lower than it was last month, which was almost 10%. So that's good, right? Hopefully it means it's slowing down. And what he's pointing out is that in July, uh, consumer prices, if you took them all together and threw them in the same pot, they didn't rise. But the the deceptive part of it is that that's really because gas prices are down. The crazy thing about gas prices, right, is that, and I'm one of these people, we're like thrilled that we're paying only, you know, $5.50 of, for gas because we were paying $6.50 last month. And we're like, oh, yes, it's only five. We forget the fact that it was like three ninety nine or something like that a year ago. And uh, isn't that funny how things change that, that – <laughs> You know, right now I'm celebrating the fact that I can get out of the gas station for less than 100 bucks, where that would have been just crazy a year ago that I would spend $100 on gas. Anyway, um, one of the things when we have these economic numbers come out that I think is important for us always to do is realize that some people are, are hurting a lot more than others. Okay, All of us have complaints at the gas pump. All of us have complaints about different things. Some of us, though, we're in a position financially where we don't really make any changes. Maybe we maybe we don't notice. We don't care because we just have enough and we're fine. I think for most people, you've had to make adjustments in the past year. 
for most of us, you have had to do something. You you drive less. Some people suggest that the reason gas prices are lower now is because you're driving less because you can't afford it. Or normally in the summer it gets higher because people drive more. There's more demand. Or maybe people are driving less. I don't know what the reason is. But the the fact is is that there are still some of you out there who even at $5.50, you still can't use your car to get to work. And you have to consider whether or not you should use your car to go to the store or whether you should can buy this amount of groceries. Um, and it's really, really tight. Um, one of the other reports that is coming out financially that is really, really important for us to see. Cause, and the reason I'm saying this is that we need to think about other people. Last hour, we talked a lot about carrying each other's burdens. And maybe for you, inflation is not so much of a burden, but for some people, it's huge. And see, the bad numbers that came out today is food prices are soaring 10.9% higher for food prices than a year before. Uh, This is Caroline Hyde from uh, Blomberg. Food prices soaring, climbing 10.9% from a year earlier. Biggest increase since 1979. Essentials like cereal, like dairy products, certain ones of them, posting record year-over-year rises. That's it's really expensive out there. And you know what they do now? Have you noticed this with cereal? It always, it kind of makes me laugh. How small can a cereal box get? Like to keep the same price. So there's two different things. So the price either goes up and you get the same thing. Or what happens is the size of the box goes down, but you pay the same price. So you go, oh, I'm going to buy some Cheerios. And uh, and the first problem by with buying Cheerios, you ever been in the supermarket Cheerio aisle? How do you buy Cheerios? There's 17,000 varieties of Cheerios right now. It's like they gave up on just making different brands. They say, just call it all Cheerios. Well, it's apple flavored. Well, I'll just call it Cheerios. You know, well, it tastes like Brussels sprouts. Well, it's Brussels sprouts Cheerios. And then they have this like frosted, they have chocolate dipped Cheerios. That's where like the Cheerios people, I'm not making this up. They're dipped in chocolate, chocolate Cheerios. That's the, that's the Cheerios people who've just given up on life. You know, and like forget it, dip them in chocolate and send them out. That's what they said. Uh, some decision was made there. Anyway, you buy the Cheerios, but what I've noticed is that the boxes are getting so small. Like the like the regular standard box of any cereal now, it's barely like the width of a quarter. That's incredible. It's the fun in fact it's gonna be the width of a Cheerio. So it still costs it still costs a lot. It's like six bucks for that box. Now six dollars used to get you the family pack of Cheerios. That's monstrous. Now you get something that is almost the size of a postage stamp for your quarter. Maybe you can just mail it you know, on your letter. Anyway, that's going on. And, uh, it, you know, it's kind of funny to talk about it that way, but that's real, right? That's that's fewer bowls of cereal that you can give your kids. That is smaller bowls of cereal that you give your kids. And maybe they need smaller bowls. I don't know. But, but you have less option. And that's one of the things I wanted to, to talk about, the economics here, and that we should be aware of this with our neighbors, aware of this with our friends. That every time we get these these economic reports, that maybe for for you you handle it a certain way, but there's somebody else out there who is hurting. It's back to school time, and back to school is expensive. My kids are going back to school. Are your kids going back to school? It's shocking how expensive things are. Uh, MSNBC had uh, this report uh, on 
on back to school. Higher income consumers just have more room to be able to adapt to inflation, right? They can downgrade to store brands or lower, uh, less expensive stores. People who are living paycheck to paycheck just don't have that room in their budgets. That's an important thing to realize is that you went out maybe to get some crayons and glue and all the other stuff on your teacher's list. Uh, and you don't have it. By the way, teachers often have to go buy their own school supplies, which I think is ridiculous with the amount of money that we have in the school system. I know we're blowing an awful lot of it in bureaucratic stuff. It is outrageous that any teacher has to buy their own supplies to use in their classroom. That's, that's my opinion, but, you know, come on. They should have the pencils and pens and whatever they need to do their job in the classroom, or at least a, a budget for it that is reasonable that they can actually go and teach. It's another story. We're going to talk about that a little bit more tomorrow, just uh, how do we support uh, uh, teachers and in particular Christian teachers who are uh, in our public schools. You know, there's a whole different conversation about private school and homeschooling and all that is 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 good. There's a lot of good movement there. But whatever happens with all of that, public schools are inevitable. They're still going to happen. And we need Christians there and we need Christian teachers there and Christian administrators and we need to support them. We're going to talk about that more tomorrow. But what I really want to get to here today is that we – can make sure that we understand how different things are for people when we have such huge inflation, where food is almost 11% higher than it was a year ago. I mean, that's huge. Gas prices are down, but they're still much higher than they've ever been, except for the last couple of months. And it matters differently. This is MSNBC again explaining this. First, take a look at if you are from a family that is unaffected uh, by inflation, you are going to spend on average 32% more this year on school supplies. If you're from a family that is significantly affected, you will spend 15% less. What is all the more tragic about this, Lindsay, is when you talk to families, whether it's polling or whether it's just anecdotal on the street evidence, they prioritize schooling and education. Uh, so it is a shame that some families will just this year, because of inflation, because of where the economy is not be able to spend as much on school supplies. That's where that's where people are. And I'm, I'm putting that out there because I think that whenever we look at, whenever we take a look at news reports, whether it's good news or bad news, we should think deeper about the people who are affected. We should think about how we're affected and deal with it with our family. But as Christians, we're called to carry each other's burdens. We're called to think about other people and build them up over ourselves. We're called to be involved this way with the, it's called the Inflation Reduction Act and the whole thing is not supposed to raise taxes on uh, people under 400,000 and we keep hearing that. But what happens in that bill, by the way, is that energy taxes are way up, which is a tax on all of us. So we're all getting taxed. You know, that's, you know, somebody said death and taxes are the only things that are, are uh, I don't know what, what they say. The only thing you can guarantee is death and taxes. You're getting taxed. You know, they say you're not getting a tax increase. You won't see it on your your 1040, but you're going to see it on your your gas bill, your Edison bill, your whatever bill. That's where it is. And that's a tax on everybody. We're going to spend more money. For some of us, we won't notice it. For others, you notice it. I used to know somebody who would call up whatever company and argue over pennies because she was that broke. And it matters. I know a lot of you are in that place. I've been there before. Rolling pennies for gas. You know, they hate it when you pay that way, but sometimes that's all you got to do. You're listening to Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. Throughout all of Scripture, we are told to consider those people who have less. 
throughout all of Scripture, we're to do that. First John three seventeen through 18. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God love and abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed and truth. Over and over again, we're told this. As kids are going back to school right now, and you're seeing the neighbors going to school, you're seeing the neighbors dress up their kids, and they go outside, and they're going to take pictures, and this is my first day of fifth grade, and those kinds of things. You're going to see them on your Facebook, your social media. It's great, those, those pictures. But behind those pictures might be a struggling person. In your conversations with your coworkers, with the people in your relational world, can I encourage you to do something proactive in this way? Ask how they're doing. How's, how's it going with school? Are you getting enough school supplies? See how they see what they say. I think most people don't want to talk about it. But some people, they're going to say, oh, man, yeah, I went, to, uh, I went to Target, and I couldn't believe how expensive the crayons were this year. Well, you know, if that's what they're complaining about, maybe they couldn't even buy the crayons. Are you in a position to really help somebody? Maybe you and some other people. Like, you may not be personally in the position, but you could get together with some other people and really bless them. I know a lot of churches do this. Does your church do this? You do backpacks for people or you do school supplies. It matters. It matters tremendously. And you, I think God, God blesses it. And there's, there's concern if we don't. Proverbs 28, 27, whoever gives to the poor will not want, but he who hides his eyes will get many a curse. We can't hide our eyes to people suffering. And we get economic news that's bad. There's people suffering, and we live in a time where people hide it. We live in a time where people are able to hide it, sometimes because of government programs, right? You see, they they feel like they have enough food to eat, but that's because they're getting assistance. And maybe they're lazy, and maybe they should go out and get a job. Okay, that might be part of it, but maybe they're working really hard, or they got a bunch of kids, or they got sickness. Maybe there's some other reason that we don't know about. We should be out there to help them. And we should be proactive with it. Can I encourage you to do that? I just think it is so much fun to be able to, and it is fun. This is the adventure of the Christian life. It, this shouldn't be a burden. And maybe it comes across that way when we hear about it in church, you know, help the poor and help people in need. And we just think, oh, it's another thing to do. And I know I'm in that, I'm in that place, you know, because everybody, we're all exhausted. We were exhausted before the shutdown in 2019. Everybody was exhausted. Now we're really exhausted. And it feels like another thing to do. Let me put it in another way. When you serve other people, it's energizing. You have to get out there and do it, okay? It's like when you finally decide to have a piece of fruit instead of that donut, you feel better later. Or like when you go exercise and you don't feel like it, and you, you feel better later when you get in the habit. It's the same way spiritually when we decide, you know what, I'm going to go help these people. And even though I don't feel like it and I'm tired and I got my own problems, it's energizing. And you know why? Because that's what you're called to do. That's what you were made to be. You were, you were given good works to do in advance, the scriptures say. And if you are just sort of dry in your faith, if you're exhausted, if you're feeling like, oh, I just don't know, and everything, everything that my church tells me to do is just another thing. You know, churches do that. We, we overburden our people sometimes, don't we? You know, like you got to go to your small group. You got to go to Sunday morning, Sunday night, you know, Sunday school. You got to go to your small group. You got to go to the missions night. You got to go to the kids thing. You know, it can be, it can be draining. I get it. But maybe it shouldn't be about those programs. Maybe it should be about the guy across the street, the woman who lives next door, the coworker who just works like crazy and you would never know, but she goes home and is stressed all the time just by asking the question, hey, how you doing? How's it going? 
you'll find an adventure out there. You'll find that God is placing people all around you all the time who you can help, sometimes just with encouragement, but sometimes with what you have. We're called to invest in other people, and that's the adventure. That's the, that's the best part of the Christian life, and you're missing out if you're not doing that. Proverbs 22, 9, whoever has a bountiful eye will be blessed, for he shares his bread with the poor. If you're worried that I can't share because I don't have enough. You know, God is a God of abundance, of bounty. There's plenty. And you'd be surprised if you have not done this when you sacrifice for somebody else, how God blesses that. And he'll bless that with more stuff if you're a generous person, or he'll bless that with just the the feeling of joy that it is to be on the Christian adventure. That's what we have. We have, we've been given the greatest endeavor of all time. There's a lot of things we celebrate, a lot of great achievements of of humanity in science and medicine, in freedom, in all these things. It's all good. It's fine. But the greatest endeavor that mankind has ever been on is the endeavor to let other people know about Jesus to bless other people in the name of Jesus. See, that's the, that is the way of life. That's the way out of anxiety and, and, and pain and frustration and fear and all of that. It's to do what Jesus says. And you find out it's an adventure. It's fun. And you also find out that the blessing that comes back to you is tremendous. Well, let me encourage you as you hear economic news that is mostly bad or economic news that is spun to sound like it's good, but you know it's bad because you go to the store. Think about other people as you think about yourself and think maybe there's a way I can bless this person. Look for that stressed out person in the supermarket line. Buy their stuff. I mean, if you can do it, if you have that kind of ability, oh my gosh, what a wonderful thing to do. You're listening to Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. You can join our conversation by calling 888-528-2557, 888-528-2557. I'll be back as the, the Wednesday edition of SoCal Live continues. Stay tuned. This is SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Southern California Live. The number is 888-528-2557. If you want to join the conversation with me, Scott Furrow, your host, 888-528-2557. Let's go to MJ in La Puente. MJ, you've been on hold for a while. Thanks for hanging on. Oh, thank you, Scott. Wow. I was just crying. Oh, yeah, I was just crying and praying. Yeah, well, thank you well, very I much. Inter- I didn't mean to interrupt. I can put you back on hold if you'd like for a while. <laughs> no, no, it's okay. I I was sitting here realizing the importance of hearing you talk about what's going on. Boy, that is really quite... Uh, interesting times we're in. Yeah. Uh, I, I'm 62. I, I, I've been a believer 47 years. And, uh, boy, I've come to a place where it, I've, I've recognized the importance of, uh, so I tell my, I have to tell myself throughout the day, that's right, I have I have a sin nature. I live in a corrupt old body. Uh, my heart is deceitful of all things. Uh, my good works are filthy rags. Uh, my heart is, the desires are towards iniquity and wickedness every moment of every day, the Bible says. And, and I remind myself that, well, the Bible says, purify your hearts, you sinners. And, and then uh, for these times we're in, the Bible says that in the last days, people are given vain imaginations, fantasy and fables, which brings to mind the importance of taking every thought captive for a time such as this, yeah. especially. And when I think of that, I think of arrest, investigate, interrogate, obliterate, decapitate, not tolerate, outright hate, and no longer debate, because the enemies of my soul, I tell myself, are 
I, I get fired up when I talk this way. The enemies of my soul are fighting every moment of every day, seeking to take. Uh, I tell myself, I, I do not. I get so fired up. I tell myself, I will not let the enemies of my soul take so much as a crumb from my plate anymore. I'm going to continue to pursue getting the board out of my eye so I can help with the speck in somebody else's eye. The Bible says, resist the devil and he will flee from me. So I come to a place where, boy, foundation, foundation, Christ, the cross, him crucified, the, cro- the, the cross well, is the object of my faith, I tell myself. And what are you going to do with all of that? What what inspires well, you right I'm, now? I'm you think of all that? College. What's that? I'm going to Bible college. I'm pursuing getting my minister's license. Oh, you are? Okay. I just found I got a lot of ailments and stuff, but it just fires me up even more. I use my, I realize the importance of God-like imagination, which allows me to be the most, one of the most powerful things, the power to envision myself and combine that with my faith and, and, and thereby being able to foresee hindsight, insight, foresight being so important toward being able to, in Jesus' name, to be able to come to a place where I have gentle spirit, childlike faith as a way of life mindset. I carry that with me. I yeah. I wake up to it. And so I, when we not, think about, I, uh, as we were talking about the uh, economic situation, what are some ways, when yeah. you think about that, that you or other people just like you can help and have some insight to help other people? Oh, you know, I'm glad you said that, because <clears throat> if I may share this real quick, I walked into a church Christian church, and it, it uh, was in a tent during the COVID virus two, about, about two years ago, and it left, and that left me with another church to go to, which was a Hispanic church. Here's the thing. I committed to pay my tithes. Even when I was in a church for two months, couldn't speak Spanish for nothing. I can't, I, and, but I'm, I'm looking on the screen. I'm singing some songs pretty good, if you will, but I stayed committed to paying my tithes, and it opened up the floodgate and continues, and God has been faithful. By paying my tithes, you rebuke the devourer. He restored what the worm hath eaten tenfold, thirtyfold, right. fiftyfold, hundredfold. I remind myself, if you will. So you're soaking yeah, it all in in your like Bible that. college, obviously. You know, lots of uh, lots of things that you're learning there. MJ, I appreciate you listening. Balance, and, it's all and, balance. It's all balance. Yeah, yeah I appreciate you you listening and being a part of our yes, show. Sir. And I think it's a you know you might have a pretty good story to tell about going to church for a couple of months where they spoke a different language, but you were still able to sing along because you recognized the tune. Being committed and not trying, my mental, you know, mental mentality, the desires thereof, fueling desires, you know, it's all about that. Uh, all right, MJ, you know, uh, thank you for calling. Heart, right? Thank you for calling and listening, to MJ. You know, I think that's something everybody needs to do. Actually, is go to different churches, including churches that might speak another language or do things from a tradition that's much different or culture background that's much different, because we have to be reminded that we're all in the same family. The family of God. And the, you know, the, what is happening in Scripture? You know the story of the Tower of Babel where God looked down and he, uh, he set everybody with different languages and confused their talk. When I think about today and the way we're redefining words, right? And so we're redefining what a recession is, even though, you know, you can argue that it's weird recession because it's high inflation, but low uh, unemployment and those kinds of things. But an inflation or a, a recession has always been defined by two consecutive negative quarters. And there are bad in, uh, recessions and and not so bad recessions. Um, the president today trying to redefine the financial news. I wish he would have just said, rather than saying there was zero inflation when everything says 85 I wish he was saying that, hey, this could be the beginning, but and he did eventually get to that. If you watch the whole thing, always look at clips in context, by the way. 
Uh, but the whole 0% thing, we all know that that's just a gimmick. I think we know that. Does it work? I don't think it's working. Uh, and they all do this kind of thing, politicians. And we're changing the definition of, you know, we change the definition of marriage. We change the definition of inflation. We change the definition of men, women, and whatever else. We change definitions. And all we're doing is confusing the language. So words don't mean what they used to mean. And sometimes we say things and get in trouble because we didn't realize that thing we're supposed to say, we aren't supposed to say. That was part of that story yesterday, right? Where you're not allowed to say that the FBI raided raided Donald Trump's place. You're not supposed to say raid. You're supposed to say they went in with a legal warranted search or some kind of, you know, it's a raid. It's always been a raid. You know, it's a raid. That's part of Babel. I don't know if you think about it that way, but the confusion in our speech, the way that we feel like we can just change language, this is something that's predicted. You know, we wanna, If you want to get kind of creeped out about it, read 1984. Like he got the year wrong, but that's stuff in there. It's called Newspeak, where words that are used every day suddenly all of a sudden have a different meaning in order to have a different political spin on it. Um, that's what's happening in so many ways today. And to look at that spiritually, that's Babel. That's the Tower of Babel. That's what's going on. But you know what happens at the end of Scripture is we all end up speaking the same language again. God repairs everything. God brings us all back to where we are supposed to be. That's where things are going. You know, if you need some encouragement from all of that, God's in control. He's not confused by all of this and what we're seeing in our culture and the weird things that we're doing. And it's just, it's just the Tower of Babel. It's just the confusion that is on us, and we'll get past that. I think, And that's where I think if you go to another church that speaks another language, or if you go on a mission trip, or you go to another country, even on vacation, go to church. Go sit there. Often you'll, you'll hear the same tune being played, and you'll know the song. You can even sing along. Other times they have a different song tradition, and we need to learn about that. We need to learn about how God has been inspiring songwriters from different cultures, different parts of the world, people with different experiences in the faith, but we're all part of the same family. And it's very moving. It's super moving to be in a room full of people who are nothing like you and realize that they're everything like you because of the Savior, Jesus Christ. I was in a church in a horrifically poor community in El Salvador. And everybody's singing songs. And as I've said before, I, you know, I took French and not Spanish, which is not helpful for going to El Salvador. So I'd, I'm not able to communicate that well. I can pick up some words here and there. But the singing was the best part of church. The singing was just fantastic. And I couldn't sing the same words, but I knew what these songs were about. And even the tunes I didn't recognize, I knew they were about Jesus. And I'm seeing these men and women singing with tears coming down their face because they know the Savior and they are my brothers and sisters. And it's very humbling because if you think that our faith in America with the the nice places that we get to go worship in a lot of the time, it's all relative, but most of us are, are worshiping in relative to the rest of the world, a pretty nice place. And if you're thinking, oh, that's nice at this place over here, that church down the street is nicer than my church. No, no, they're all nice compared to this church I was at in El Salvador. And they're all nice compared to a lot of churches around the world. Uh, that's not the church. You're building the location. 
the design, the decor, that's not church. That's just a building. It's just a, it's just an address. Church is being with the other believers. Church is being with people who are all worshiping the same God, who are all saved in the same way by putting their faith in Jesus. We're not saved because we speak a certain language or because we were born in a certain country or because we got a certain degree or because we even have accomplished a bunch of things in our faith. We're saved because Jesus took care of it all. And it is a glorious thing that we're one family. And that's another thing to think about. When we think about as a church, as people of Jesus Christ, the more we can get the idea in our head, the more we can get the idea into our our thinking that we're one church, the more we're going to be able to accomplish. Because I'll tell you what, one of the hardest things and realities about how we do church in our culture is that we have all these different churches everywhere doing it their own way and not finding better ways to work together. It's not necessarily wrong to do things in different ways because you might reach different people, particularly when it comes to language, obviously. But you know, some of the greatest mission moments that you can be a part of are when you're doing the same work with people who are speaking a different language, but they are your family and you're doing the same work in Jesus Christ. It's glorious. We need to do more as churches. You know, we need to have churches get past themselves and do stuff with other churches and not worry that somebody might leave your church to go to that church because they like the music better or because they like the building better or because, you know, we just need to get past that. And that's easier said than done. Because the first thing we might want to say is, we're not doing that. We're not in competition with each other. Well, you're not, but you are, aren't you? Never mind that. Figure out who in your neighborhood needs help, who needs to be loved in the name of Christ, and go love them. And if you got to do it with some other church, then you got more resources. If you're thinking, well, our church doesn't have the money to do that. We have an obvious need in our neighborhood. We don't have the money. Well, get 10 churches together, and you all do it. And you would accomplish something amazing. Imagine how God will bless that. See, that's the adventure. That is the adventure of our faith, is doing stuff together. Would you pray about that for your church? Would you pray about that? You know, don't just go knock into your pastor. Hey, uh, Scott Furrow on the radio told me that uh, we need to do this. No, pray about it first. Pray. Your pastor's thinking about it. Most of the time, pastors are all for that. It's really hard to make it happen. You got to pray through that stronghold. You got to pray through it and pray for the people in your church. The reason it's hard to make that happen is not your pastor most of the time. It's all of the other things competing for that time and space to get things done. Pray against those distractions because we together as the church, we can do amazing things. Imagine, and lots of your churches are doing this. I'd love to hear your story. You can call me at 888-528-2557. All these people who are struggling, that report we played at the top of the hour, where people who can't afford it, school supplies because of inflation are paying or buying 15% less. So you get less pencils, less crayons. Like if you used to get the 64 crayon thing with a sharpener in the bag, now you have the lousy 32 box with no sharpener. I mean, that's a silly thing, right? But imagine what a group of churches can do to bless every single kid at your local school if you got together. That's the adventure. It's fantastic. I got to take a break. It's another adventure, but we'll be back. You can call me at 888-528-2557 to join the conversation. 
888-528-2557. I'm Scott Furrow, your host. This is Southern California Live. The Wednesday edition will continue in a moment. You're listening to SoCal Live with Scott Furrow on 99.5 KKLA. Welcome back, everybody. Wednesday edition of Southern California Live. I'm Scott Furrow. Middle of the week. We're almost halfway there to the weekend. Good to be with you. You can join our conversation today by calling 888-528-2557. 888-528-2557. Interesting story coming out of uh, University of Auburn, Alabama. Basketball team went to uh, the Holy Land, went to Israel for a team trip this summer and tweeted from the Auburn University basketball social media accounts pictures of the team visiting all these uh, different religious and holy sites, primarily Christian and Jewish sites. But one of the things that they did was they all got baptized in the Jordan. And there's pictures of the team being baptized in the Jordan, and it's incredibly emotional. And it's an incredible thing, and I think quite a brave thing for a public university uh, a coach who's been controversial in this area before to publish all of those. And when you take a look at the pictures, you can go to Auburn basketball Twitter account. If you have a Twitter machine, Auburn MBB is uh, their their handle, if that's what you call it, at Auburn MBB. You see these kids, and I don't know what their faith is. In fact, the coach, he's Jewish, but one of the things that he wants, that he's about is religious freedom in general. And he thought that it was, and I think rightly, that it is such a powerful thing to take kids to these places that are real and teach them about faith. And he wanted them to know about their Judeo-Christian background. And it's really powerful kind of to look at these pictures that they posted of these, uh, it's the boys basketball team, and how excited they are and how emotionally moved. And they're from all different backgrounds, ethnically, baptized in the same place, same river that Jesus was baptized in 2,000 years ago. Have you ever done that? Have you been there and been baptized in the Jordan? That's something I want to do. I've never been there. I would love to do that, to to have that experience. And, you know, I think about this, and I'm looking at some of these pictures. I'm looking at a picture now of probably one of the, the coaches, because he's gray-haired, and he's got his hand over his face and he's in tears, you know, and I don't know specifically who this is, but he is so obviously moved and two teammates are, are helping him probably participated in the, the baptism. They're all wearing, you know, kind of white robes. They probably hand out to you there. And, you know, I look at him and I thinking to myself, this is so moving for him. I don't know what his background is, but there is something happening there. This is a a man who's got history with something in his life. You know, maybe he's prematurely gray, but how old can you be? He's maybe 40 or 50 years old, African-American man. He's got burdens that he's carrying, some that other people know about, some that nobody knows about. And I don't know about them, but the, the emotion that is there is it's palpable even just through a photograph. There's another young student who you can just see coming up out of the water in tears. And, you know, we live in a time where we're looking for hope in so many of the wrong things. This is something that these guys will never forget. How many of them are going to go play professional basketball? A couple of them, probably. 
I'll bet that even those students at the end of their careers, this is a moment they're going to always remember. This is a story they're going to tell their kids, their grandkids. And I think that some of them, if they're not Christian now, they're going to look into that. And I think people are just starving for truth. They are starving for a hope that doesn't get disqualified. They are starving for a hope that doesn't get trampled on, a hope that doesn't go away because of disease or sickness or incompetence or economy, that there is grace and forgiveness. You know, in this world where we hear these statistics about people not coming to faith and people not going to church and whatever, you know, that might be a condition of the institution. But the heart of human beings, while many hearts are turning hard, because God will give you up. The scriptures teach is going to give you up to your stuff. If you just don't want him, he knows. So many people are searching for truth. I I give a lot of credit to this coach for doing that. Uh, His name is Bruce Pearl. He's Jewish. And he called the tour a once in a lifetime opportunity. He said, my players are going to see their Judeo-Christian roots. And for those who want to get baptized in River Jordan, they will. And they will walk in the garden where Jesus walked, and they will pray at the Western Wall, and they will experience firsthand God's presence in the Holy Land. Just come and see it. You'll be changed forever. And if you if you decide to do it, you know, you've got to be disillusioned if you get into the – you need to prepare yourself to be disillusioned to read any replies and responses, particularly on Twitter. All right, the things that people write are just nasty. There's an art of disillusionment. You have to practice that. You have to not. You have to be in a place where you expect human beings to do sinful things and realize they need grace, and to realize that you can add something to that. If you have that, I call it the art of disillusionment. In fact, uh, somebody wrote a book. I just read it. It's called The Gift of Disillusionment, and I thought that's great. The Gift of Disillusionment. It is a gift, and not to be disillusioned in a in a negative way, but to be disillusioned to so that you have an a an actual reality view of the Christian life of what the world is about. And if you're disillusioned enough, you can go into these comments and read them. And yes, any comment that you would expect to be there. There's people mad that a publicly funded university is baptizing people. And there's people who are saying, you know what, they're just learning about history and diverse religions. Sounds exactly like something we need more of. No, Israel is a bad place. And uh, all of this stuff uh, in there. And yet it happened. Brave coach and brave team, you know, to do that. And these young guys and the old guys who are with them, they're going to have a moment. And I'm, I think we need to, to just, when you, if you win the basketball and you watch next year, Auburn will be a ranked team like they are. And uh, maybe this will be their year. I don't think that's how it works, but I hope so. So praise God for that. Where in your life do you brave sharing your faith? the glory of walking with Christ. That is just something to to always think about. You know, this hour, I want you to remember the adventure of being a Christian with the negative stuff in the news, the bad economy that we're facing. It's real bad for some people, and most people don't say. Do you like to tell people? When I was in terrible debt and having financial problems, I never told anybody. I didn't want anybody to know. There were a couple of people who know, knew, because I was in such bad shape, I was asking them for money. But other than that, other people didn't know. My mother knew. She didn't know. But one day I had to tell her. 
And uh, the response was, I knew there was something wrong with you. Moms always know. Doesn't matter how old you are. Your mom knows what's going on. People hide their stuff. You know, people put on fake stuff. You know, it's okay to have joy in the Lord, but it doesn't mean that you're perfect. The people going to your church, the people in your neighborhood, they got stuff. The adventure of the Christian life is that you are there to help them. And if you're saying, but wait, I need help. You know what? Help others. That's one of the best ways to get help yourself. It really is. It's, it is the way. This is the way. This is what it is. You love people the way Jesus did. You invest in other people. Your time, your energies, your thoughts, it revolutionizes your life. It makes your life much better. And the blessings that come, sometimes the blessings are you just have more to bless people with. Sometimes the blessings are you, you get to live life in such a way that you, you aren't distracted and getting depressed by the news. You can be disillusioned of this world in the right way, where you see the effects of sin and you see the effects of redemption in Christ. That's a good deal. That's what our faith is about. I hope that's something that you can always see. So when you turn on the news tonight and you're watching, and there's some there's some terrible stories, things that have happened in our towns. The you know the car accident story is that fiery one is really horrible, where those people died and the kids died the other day. Actresses crashing into houses. We don't know what happened to her, and it's sad. And you know, I was watching the news the other night with my 13 year old. He was supposed to be in bed, but he came down, and we're watching the news, and it's one death story after another. One after another, after another, after another. And they were horrible. One was that the story, it's in the news of some woman who's, who got arrested because she's been uh, feeding her husband Drano. And he got wise to it and set up a camera and watched her. And she pouring Drano in his coffee. And uh, it's so crazy. And we're watching that. And But we were able to say, you know what? I said, James, this is the way the world is. And this is why we need a savior and we have him. His name is Jesus. And we look at all this and we see people who are hurting and realize that we have something to give them. We give them ourself because that's what Jesus did. That's who we are. Would you do that? Would you think of somebody that you can serve somebody that maybe when you think about the economy who might be hurting, maybe you just need to buy somebody's gas. Look for somebody at the gas station who's just looking miserable. Buy their gas. Just do it. If they don't need it, so what? Buy their gas. Look for somebody at Target or Walmart or someplace buying pencils for school who's putting things back, who's stressed out because it costs $3 when it was only $2 last year. There's people. Help those people out. All right, we're done for today. Go to our uh, station website, kkla.com or kprz.com for the podcast. If you miss any hour of the show, I'm Scott Furrow. This is Southern California Live. We'll be back tomorrow. God bless you. Have a great evening. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. 
with in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com, salemnow.com.